Hey, Fred, just curious, why are decisions so important? Curious Teams is a podcast for design, construction, and owner teams. Welcome to Curious Teams. I'm Fred Gutierrez. And I'm Barbara White Bryson. And we're here to make the design, construction, and owner environments a better place. Today we're going into our second grouping of conversations that we're going to have around decision-making. Our first grouping was about collaboration, and this one's about decision-making. The forgotten leg of the three legs of the stool. We often hear our colleagues talk about how important leadership is, how important collaboration is in making teams work, but we don't hear a lot about how important it is to create an environment where decisions can be made. If anything can bring down a project, it's when decisions stop being made on a project at any level. Yeah, you've made this aware to me. I do know that decisions are very valuable. I've always been kind of in that position to help make decisions because I realize, you know, w- with with the the broad perspective that we, we we've had in our experiences that that they are very important. But sometimes people just assume that they get made and they get made when they need to be made. But um, prioritizing decision making as a fundamental pillar of a successful project is a great perspective on seeing how important they are to allowing work to flow. It's incredibly important. You know, a lot of people talk about uh, follow the money because, you know, the money is so important in, in business and finance and that sort of thing. But when it comes to project management, it's follow the decisions. You can really find how well your projects are going by creating ways of tracking how well your decisions are being made and understanding who is getting, forgive the expression, bollocked up because decisions are not flowing properly. I remember arriving at Rice University many years ago now, and we had six projects, I think, going on at one time. At that point, the culture had been to keep all decision-making at the highest levels of the project, which means that project managers, project engineers, people who should be making decisions throughout the project were not. And those projects were just stalled because people were not empowered to make decisions. And we all know what that kind of experience is like. Just to kind of step back a little bit, we're going to talk about decisions making, and it's going to be more than one episode. We're going to break it down into four episodes, this one being kind of an introduction about value of decision making. Then we're going to talk about some tools, then some frameworks, and then risk. Maybe you can talk a little further about how we broke it down. What I call master-level decision-making, so I'm going back to Creating a Culture of Predictable Outcomes, the book. It's important to realize that great decision-making requires that you have decision-makers at all levels of projects and that everyone is empowered to make decisions at the right time at the right level. And that everyone understands decision values, principles, and frames to be used for decision-making. So you set those early so that you can map and schedule all critical decisions. And then finally, that you understand what the creation of decision-ready information is. So what we've done is we've created four episodes, this one being the first, talking about the value of decisions. 
And then we're going to talk about decision tools that you can use so that people at all levels of your organization and project can make decisions. Then we're going to talk about decision frameworks, principles, and values so that when people at all levels of your organization are making decisions, that they know in what context that those decisions can and should be made. And then finally, we're going to talk about decision-ready information coupled with decision risk, because every decision has some inherent risk. It should be an exciting and interesting path to dig into. Yeah, these are going to be good. And we like to think of these episodes as evergreen, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's May of 2022. If these exist far after this, you know, let's put a refresher on. We're just coming out of a pandemic. We're experiencing a lot of supply chain issues, and this has really kind of put a wrench into decision-making. It's not only accessibility of equipment and materials right now, but it's also pricing. So decision-making has really taken a hit. Owners are experiencing this. Residential owners, uh, Fred, you're experiencing this. I'm seeing clients that are often waiting a year to have a kitchen renovation completed in their own homes, something that they would have never elected to experience if they could have made a different decision. And these are based on equipment not being available or equipment suddenly being sold to someone else in the supply chain because somebody else is willing to pay more. And uh, we're seeing pricing for different materials for not only residential, but for commercial escalating so quickly that when you're working within the bid environment, you can't rely on the, on the bids that you're making or you're, you're pumping up the bids so high in anticipation of escalation that the owners are really taking a huge hit. There doesn't seem to be any understanding by suppliers that after this period of escalation is over, that they're still going to have to work with contractors and serial owners in the future. It's almost comical because you kind of throw up your hands. I mean, I just finished a project that took, you know, it should have taken, it should have taken four months. It took a year and we're still waiting on appliances for part of the project. So I think what it reminds me of in terms of decisions is, you know, the decisions that you used to make when you knew you could find certain equipment you could plan very specifically around those things. You could use the specifications from those to coordinate work around that and have it come in timely to work together. But knowing that you can't rely on, on either being able to source something that you thought you could source before or having it come at a certain time, it really just changes the, the way you look at making a decision because you're going to need an appliance but you just don't know when it's going to show up or what it's going to look like or what its size is going to be. So you have to have some flexibility and understand the parameters in which your decision will fall. Everybody in our industry turns to the doubling down on all kinds of schedule contingencies and pricing contingencies, and it, it doesn't help. What I'm seeing in general is that everyone is retreating into their own corners rather than talking about way ahead of time, what are the 
issues, what are the problems that the suppliers are, are experiencing, and how we might be able to manage those problems collaboratively and together in order to help owners have a better experience and have and help ourselves have a better experience. You know, this goes all the way back to the McLeamy curve. Remember the old McLeamy curve, which proved to us that decisions are better if they're made earlier in the project and which requires us to have information from uh, shop drawing level, from suppliers, as early in the project as possible, which encouraged us to create process like guaranteed maximum pricing processes, which brought contractors and suppliers and, and uh, major subs in as early as possible into projects. So just because we're having a challenge on supply chain doesn't mean that we should abandon all of that knowledge and understanding. In fact, we should embrace this as an opportunity to work with our suppliers and hopefully they'll embrace it as an opportunity to work with us so that we can make decisions transparently together. It doesn't mean we still won't face surprises and challenges, but it sure would help right now. It certainly is challenging. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I see your point, but I, I guess my example is sometimes you can't get the attention of some of the suppliers right. um, to participate in that conversation. But I guess at least making the try can establish a new way of, of looking at the problem to be solved. And I'm talking to the suppliers right now. I'm saying, hey, it's first, it's not a fun place to be a supplier that's constantly making promises mm -hmm. and uh, not being able to back up those promises. That's a lousy place to be. And this period of time will end. There will be an end to this. And it's going right. to be the suppliers who have been collaborative, who have been transparent, who have made only promises that they could keep, but in a transparent fashion and have been willing to work with others in order to try to solve problems related to the supply chain. They're the ones who are going to gather more partnerships that will endure in the long term. This is a moment of opportunity for suppliers and not a opportunity to to ratchet up prices and con people, which I wish we weren't experiencing in some cases. Can you give me a more concrete example of this? I guess I'm struggling a little bit. I've had some reports where there have been absolutely concrete delivery dates, and then suddenly equipment disappears, apparently sold to somebody else mm. for a higher price. And that's not an unusual situation to have happened in a supply chain challenged environment. When goods become scarcer and schedules become tighter, there are some individuals that are happy to try to make a quick buck. But mm -hmm. your, your good contractors are going to remember that. Right. I mean, I think we're talking about decision making, but we're also talking about integrity and relationships. Putting that aside, for my example is I've got, the one that I'm thinking about is I, I did a residence where we needed a, a Sub-Zero and a Viking, you know, a Sub-Zero refrigerator and a Viking oven. And we were promised them at a certain date, which was outside of the schedule that we normally expect. 
So knowing, knowing that they will eventually come, we can plan around that. We can plan uh, the millwork around that. We can plan the hood and the power, and we can, we can build around that. But at the end of the day, the kitchen can't be used because there's no refrigerator or no stove. So when it comes time for when we think they're going to come and we get an update that they're still not available... And it's not because they were sold to someone else. It's because they just haven't shipped because of circuitry problems that they didn't know about four months in advance. We had to make new decisions. Well, either we're not going to finish the project and it's going to have to be put on hold, or we're going to have to put a temporary appliance in there to satisfy inspections, which creates a whole new set of problems. But it's a decision that just needs to be made at the time. So... I guess that's the decision-making that I'm thinking about. In, in, in Yeah, so absolutely right. It's the 80-20 rule. 80% of the time, the situation is, right now in COVID, that there have been uncontrollable, quote-unquote, uncontrollable situation. Unfortunately, many suppliers have gone quiet or silent because during these times of uncontrollable problems, Instead of letting you know the day that they were notified, or instead of setting up systems where they're notified in a timely fashion, they're often not letting you know until months down the line that something is going to be late. They're keeping their fingers crossed that, oh, it'll work out. Yeah. And And, often they may not do that because they don't realize they're that important to the team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's what what it's on our shoulders to make sure that they understand that. And the good ones will participate in that, and the bad ones will will fall to the wayside. Will fall to the wayside. So yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm encouraging suppliers to keep people informed, create mm-hmm. systems with their suppliers that allow for them to be notified as early as possible and for them to notify their projects yeah. uh, and owners as soon as possible. Because, yes, you, you've got to figure out yeah. what are you going to do. Because the options are what you stated. It's happening with air handling units. It's happening with transformers. It's happening with all kinds of equipment and major materials. And it's happening with the pricing issue as well. And if you know that the pricing is going to be completely outside your budget early enough, then you can make some decisions that allow you to change the way that you're going to structure the project or clad the project or blaze right. the project. And, and that's what's what's so important about, you know, getting those decisions made early, early, early um, with as much information as you can possibly gather. Yeah, it reminds me, the, the only thing that's more frustrating than somebody not, not showing up to do something they promised is them not telling you they're not going to show up to do what they promised. Right. Not only did they take away that promise from you, they took away your opportunity to do something in substitute of what they could be doing during that time frame. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's all part of the decision chain. Uh, right. We're going to talk about in decision-ready information about the fact that it's, it's not just about the obvious components of a decision, but it's also the cost of not making the decision. It's the cost of, you know, it's, there are other related issues to um, 
a decision that often an owner is not privy to when the decision is being made. And so it's, it's awfully important to make sure you're thinking more globally about the impacts of either providing information or not providing information for the purposes of making a decision. I was thinking, you know, one thing that we get caught up with often is in making decisions is making the right decision, which is the perfect decision, and not recognizing that decisions, even wrong decisions, are sometimes better than no decision. Agreed. That may be wrong is a little too strong, but a decision, whether it's on the spectrum of 100% right or 80% right, is still much more valuable than no decision in some cases. Oh, almost in most cases. And yeah. I would I would say that you're okay stating it exactly the way you stated it. I, I say I call it a, you know, it's a it's kind of a 90-10 rule in this particular case. You're going to, as you move through a project, if you make decisions on time with decision ready information, you're going to be right 90% of the time. But there's gonna be 10% of the of the decisions that you make on time and they're going to be wrong. They may have been wrong because you didn't quite have all the information. They may have been wrong just because you didn't use the best judgment at that moment for whatever reason. But the power of making decisions in a timely fashion and keeping that machine moving, it's a very expensive machine that's moving forward. But the power of that is so much greater than the making a bad decision once in a while that yeah. you can afford to change a bad decision later on. And we're going to talk about decision risk. Most people often will not make a decision because they think a decision is risky without really understanding the right. inherent risk is often very low in making that decision it's much higher to not make the decision than to make the decision. So we'll talk about that in a future episode. It's a fun conversation. I think the way you wrapped it up there is a good place to, to stop on this initial one. It's really that understanding the value of decision and how it, it's important to keep the, the machine rolling. Uh, it's, it sounds so trivial, but there's so many there's so many moving parts to this design construction um, placemaking machine that if if it stalls the re repercussions are tremendous the oiling of that with proper decision making is is essential absolutely absolutely yeah, yeah. so we're going to give you some really tangible ways of oiling that process and keeping it going uh, in future episodes. So thank you so much for joining us at Curious Teams. This is Barbara White Bryson. And this is Fred Gutierrez. And now you go make the design, construction, and owner environment a better place. Find us at CuriousTeams.com, where we hope you share your comments and ideas. Look forward to upcoming episodes that answer questions that you've sent us on our website. And please subscribe to us on your podcasting platform. It helps us find more people like you. And it never hurts to do a five-star review.